the bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Scott Thomas, uh, who's done a book called Financial Secrets for the Man of Means. Welcome to the show, Scott. Well, thank you. It's great to be here with you. Let's just start a little bit with your background uh, before we get into the uh, content of your uh, book and how you can help businesses. Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. I started in the business in 86 as a fee financial advisor, which was kind of unique. And um, then I kind of progressed through uh, some different stages, worked inside of different organizations. And uh, back in 95, I went out on my own and uh, I really had a, uh, a place in my heart that my interest has lied been with uh, business owners and helping them with uh, unique strategies, helping them with uh, tax planning, helping them in ways to exit their business efficiently and looking at a a little bit bigger picture and having conversations that a lot of times I found um, other advisors were not having with them. And I started wasting some time trying to, you know, educate people about this and got frustrated last year and decided to write a book. And um, the way I wrote the book is I actually had to write it at the YMCA because I didn't have time to write it at work, and I didn't have time to write it at home with three young kids. And so it was kind of crazy, but um, it was a lot of fun and um, had a great response and opened up a lot of opportunities to share with people like you and your audience and civic groups, and it's just been a nice ride. So tell us a little bit about who uh, your message specifically is aimed at, what kind of business owners. Well, it's a, what I would consider to be small and mid, middle market uh, business owners, but it's the highly successful ones, the ones that have lots of tax problems. They typically are, have $300,000-plus of income. They're dealing with alternative minimum tax. They're dealing with um, issues in gifting and their family and maybe transitioning. Uh, they're dealing with, a lot of times, tax issues. And rather than just say, here's the DB plan, the defined benefit plan, or the defined contribution, Distribution plan, and that's all you can do. We, you know, we look at alternative investments. We look at intangible drilling. We look at um, ways. Like I was just meeting with a client just a few minutes ago, and we're talking about for him, it's actually a good thing where we could sock away dollars for future medical costs. Through um, he has a separate C corp. He has a S corp and a C corp, and his C corp, we can basically take it down to zero and take that roughly hundred thousand dollars a year of C corp income and use that up paying for future medical cost and um, funding that, and then also paying for long-term care through the C-Corp, you can get a deduction for it. Before we get into some some of the details, just give us an overall view of how businesses and business people are managing their finances today. Are are they doing pretty well? Are they not doing well? Are there lots of opportunities they're missing? Just kind of give us an overall view of of how they're, they're doing today. I'm finding a lot of opportunities being missed, and as I sit down and talk with other advisors, such as their CPAs and talking with their business transaction, real estate attorneys, and so forth, that business owners, they're not even talking about the big picture. They're just addressing transactions. They're busy making money in their business as they should. Um, However, there needs to be a time to step back and look at it from a very high level and then zero in. If they really want tax planning, they can't come to you on January 2nd and say, do something for last year. They can't come to you when they're bringing in all their 
their um, you know their K ones and their business reporting and saying what can I do for last year? It, it's too late. You know yeah. they haven't done anything before December and they don't You're even take the other time. Financial advisors and CPAs are not really doing that kind of longer term planning. They're just reacting to what's happening. I find that the majority do, and by having conversations and other financial advisors that have read my book, they've said, wow, Scott, you've opened my idea of you know, having conversations in September, October with my clients about some other tax strategies that may not be a direct dollar in my pocket, but it's such a significant area that you know, now I've gained greater credibility or gathered other assets, or you know, now I've become more of a trusted advisor. For having these conversations. Very good. All right, let's just get into some of the meat of all this here. Again, I'm speaking with Scott Thomas, uh, who's a financial advisor. His new book is called Financial Secrets for the Man of Means. Uh, tell us also, uh, is there a website and phone number where people can find out more about the book before we get into some of the details of it? You know, the book's on Amazon and Borders and so forth, and they can go look at the book there and read a little bit about it. Um, If they want to know a little bit more about my philosophy and some of the things about me and my bio and and that information, um, I have a website called uh, Financial Farmer. It's www.financialfarmer.com. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me about that name, too. <laughs> I'm in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> Why are you a financial farmer? I'm talking about the name. Well, you know, plan, plant, grow, harvest, distribute, cultivate, all those types of terms you use in a farming sense, you use in a financial sense. And when I was off at college at Auburn University, I'd go home on the weekends with people, and uh, it was just fascinating to, you know, go bale up hay and, you know, run the combine and plow fields and, you know, kill the Thanksgiving turkey and do all these things that were out there. And I saw the values that were out there, and I started thinking about reflecting on those values early on in my financial career, going, wow, you know, these farming people, they really have a good common sense. And the same kind of common sense that makes them successful on the farm can make you successful in life and, and in finances. And so I started reflecting on this, and back in 99, I declared myself, you know, instead of Scott Thomas and Associates, I'm, you know, the financial farmer. And uh, it, it was kind of an interesting little story. I don't want to digress too much, but, you know, people got it. They liked the stories about, you know, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, that's a farming metaphor. So okay. there's lots of other metaphors around the farm that are just good common sense. Very good. All right, let's start with the first uh, chapter uh, of Financial Secrets for the Man of Means, and you talk about captives. Mm-hmm. Uh, briefly describe what you mean by captives and, and how can it help people with their uh, management of their business and their personal finances. Yeah, captives is a, a very powerful idea that few people know anything about, uh, and a lot of CPAs just go, well, I don't know. I don't, that's expensive stuff. It is expensive stuff. It's not designed for somebody that just wants to save a you know, a hundred or two or three hundred thousand dollars. It's really for somebody that wants to save five hundred, eight hundred, a million plus dollars on their their income. So if you've got a manufacturer and let's say they're making three million dollars a year and um, they've got a lot of discretionary cash flow and they're really taking a lot home and they don't need a significant cash flow, that's the perfect type of individual to go uh, set up a captive. I tell you, there's been developers that have set up captives, and inside of the captive, what they'll do is they'll set up their separate LLCs, and it just allows them to take huge deductions for their business and then go manage assets within the business and then on the backside pay 15% cap gains rates. 
And that's a beautiful thing. Of course, you know, one of the captives, uh, I had a client in earlier, and they, um, they're they cutting down one of their captives and crashing out one of them this year because they believe that we're going to have higher cap gains treatment in the future. So just explain exactly what is This is a, another company you're setting up inside your existing company? Correct. It's it's it, it's a separate company as an entity, and you need to have an insurable interest. There needs to be a reason. For example, I had a software company, and they only had one um, vendor, one uh, basically one employer. Well, the risk on that, when the actuaries ran the risk on this basically uh, $2 million of revenue, they determined that that risk was worth an $800,000 a year in the premium. So they could stick away eight hundred thousand, and um, they could choose to make a claim on it or not. They don't have. There, there is a real risk. There has to be a real risk. And so, like um, you know, I've got a, a physician, and he takes on a some tremendous amount of risk. And so, in his practice, he's able to sock away up to a million too. So you are taking, talking about creating a captive insurance company inside. So you're manufacturing or other kinds of business, is that correct? It's not actually inside the company. It's a separate entity that is linked to your company. So uh-huh. it's a business deduction, and what's great about that is it could be owned by your children's trust, and that makes a lot of sense for estate planning purposes. Um, it can be owned by you know that individual or by a husband, wife, or you know some other family members, and that's a great way to take money out of your business and take it to yourself personally, and you get to pick and choose whether you have a profit or a loss is really dependent on you because you get to pick and choose to say, hey, I'm going to take a claim against this or I'm going to take this to profits and benefit from it personally. So the way you're getting money out is you're paying the premiums to your own captive insurance company. It's actuarially uh, contrived there, and it has to be set up as a real company. You're paying accounting costs. There are substantial costs to set these up. Uh, a lot okay, of times it's fifty to $100,000 to set one of these up. Okay, so you do that. You, you pay premiums to this captive insurance company, and then you're building up cash value inside a cash value policy, and you can take it out for your own retirement. Is that the idea? No, we can actually invest the money much more uh, liberally than that. We can invest it into you know, mutual funds, like, you know, go out and invest in a growth and income mutual funds, or okay. we could go and put it into private notes. Uh, we've done private notes and, you know, earn 12% on private notes inside the, the deal, and we're not paying ordinary income tax. And so when you take the money out from those investments... 15% cap gains treatment. You're taking it as long... You have to have it in there for at least a year, I assume. Yeah. I see. Uh, okay. All right. I think that's an interesting idea. So um, a lot of people probably haven't heard about that one, so that's certainly a, a good idea. Okay, the next uh, chapter you have, and again, I'm speaking with Scott Thomas, um, who's written a book uh, called Financial Secrets for the Man of Means. Um, he's also, he calls himself the financial farmer and has all kinds of ideas relating to the farm, is uh, getting more money to your heirs. Uh, the, one of the things you talk about is gifting long-term care policies. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, that works best, absolutely the best way, is if you have a C corporation. And the reason why I say a C corporation is that you get to fully deduct in a C corporation your long-term care cost. And it's, it's interesting because you can actually go create, I did for two 60-year-old um, husband and wife, um, to fund for 10 years for a long-term care policy, we could run a premium $87,000. 
and it's a return of premium policy, and it was maxed out with every benefit and every bell and whistle, but it was a full business deduction for the C-Corporation. You can discriminate under the C-Corporation for this particular benefit. Meaning you can only give it to the top people. You don't have to give it to all the employees. you don't have to give it to everybody. Yeah. So you can discriminate, but it has to be a C-Corp. It will not work under an S-Corp. And so there's huge amounts of deductions, and then you say, well, you know, hey, you collect on this thing for, you know, you're getting $250 a day plus, you know, inflation benefits and all this other stuff. And literally there could be millions of dollars of benefit if you're, you know, in a nursing home facility for, you know, 10 years. And it's an indemnity contract, so it pays actual dollars. It's not a reimbursement of your actual costs. It's a, it's a true indemnity program. That's why it's so expensive. Uh, very few agents even know about you know, how to set one of these up and why you would want the premiums to be extremely high because now you can have your children be the beneficiaries. And they're the beneficiaries. Well, guess what? It's insurance. And so you pay $87,000 a year for 10 years. That's $870,000 that comes out of a corporation fully tax deductible and the benefit comes to your children upon your death. So if you die, you know, 10 years, 20, 30 years later, it comes to your children as the beneficiaries. 100% income and it is state tax-free. All right, we're going to go to break. This is really fascinating ideas. I'm speaking with uh, Scott Thomas, who's got a new book out called Financial Secrets for the Man of Means, and we'll be back after this. All we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk, talk money, money all, all the, time. the time. Voice America Business. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. All we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk Talk money money all the time. time. Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Scott Thomas, uh, who's a financial advisor who's got a new book out called Financial Secrets 
for the man of means. Uh, he also runs something called the Financial Farmer Inc., and his website is Financial Farmer. Uh, is, is that correct, Scott? It's financialfarmer.com? Financialfarmer.com. Yes. Uh, so welcome back to the show. Um, we're now, the next thing we want to talk about is future health care costs and uh, what trends you see happening there and, and what are some of the things people can do to offset these huge health care costs coming in the future. Well, there's um, something obviously that, that people have heard of, which is the health savings account, the HSA. And uh, President Bush has done a lot to promote that and to, um, you know, try to encourage people to consider socking away dollars there. If you want to sock away $5,000 for the family and have a higher deductible insurance program, that's one way that, you know, um, the self-employed can can put it together out there. But in addition to the HSA, the health savings account, there's the HRA, which is the health reimbursement arrangements. Um, this is a little bit different, and these particular programs actually allow you to sock away a lot more money. Um, we've seen people that have socked away twenty-five, fifty, hundred thousand dollars a year uh, under this arrangement. Um, sometimes these things are done in what's called a VEBA, and the VEBA is um, another vehicle that is slightly different. It is a, um, a vehicle that gets under a lot of scrutiny because people hear about this thing called Section 419. Anytime an, a, an accountant hears that, they go, oh, I've heard that. That's on the bad list. And, you know, there's some people that have taken advantage of um, Tell us different... what Aviva, Aviva stands for Voluntary Employee Beneficiary Association. But before we go too far, tell us a little bit about what that is. Well, it's, it's a trust document, and you have a bank that's a, um, a trustee, so you truly have a trust that's run by a bank, and you have a legal document that allows you to set aside dollars actuarially based upon your time frame. And some business owners and um, advisors out there, as they're listening to this, they'll know that the defined benefit plan that says, okay, well, you're only going to be able to fund for five years, and you're going to have to try to fund your whole retirement over five years versus 30 years, you can sock away substantial amounts of money. Well, the same thing occurs with the VBA. It's actuarially written so that, let's say you're going to fund it for five years, and it's one individual they can sock away, you know, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars a year, and put this money away. If let's say they're fifty-five years old, they're going to be able to put away a substantial amount for use for future health care expenses. And you have the money in there, or the HRA or the SHA, HSA, and then you can um, have it invested. It just keeps growing tax deferred as long as you use it for health expenses. Is that the way it works? Yeah, and then as it comes out for the health expenses. It can pay for those on a tax-free for the qualified health expenses, and so you know it's not going to be your, you know, your liposuction, you know, for your wife or for yourself. It's going to be more for dental and um, deductibles and long-term care and other things that you want to. You're already self-funding these things right now. Well, this just gives you a way to tax deduct going in, grow the money in a tax-deferred environment, and then use it almost like a Roth uh, where you're taking it out tax-free, assuming that it's for these qualified expenses. So some people would say, well, I'm going to be covered by Medicare, so why do I need to put aside money for later health expenses if I'm just going to be covered by Medicare? What would you say to that? Well, you always have your deductibles that are out there. You have things that are not covered under Medicare. You know, you have dental expenses and, you know, periodontal diseases and all kinds of other things that, 
you know, develop over time, you know, there's going to be uh, durable medical equipment and other things that uh, you might have needs for in the future, and uh, all of those things can, you know, be tax efficiently provided for. Very good. All right. So there's definitely some people need to put aside money for because I'm not sure if Medicare is even going to be there for people to some extent in the future here. Okay, I want to move on to the next area, which is retirement plans. Uh, and again, I'm speaking with Scott Thomas, whose new book is called Financial Secrets for the Man of Means. Uh, he is with FinancialFarmer.com, and he's a financial advisor to small business people around the country. Tell us a little bit about the re- retirement plan uh, chapter and uh, some of the misconceptions people have and how should they pick amongst all the different choices they have and where to accumulate their money. Yeah, you know, there's um, a few different things. Sometimes people choose the wrong type of plan. They don't get a large enough contribution. Sometimes they choose a plan that, um, you know, maybe they're they're just having to pay way too much or give away too much to their employees, and they just feel terrible about it, and then they quit the plan altogether when maybe they should have structured it a little bit differently. They also, very very little thought goes about the distributions of a retirement plan as they're going in. If your tax structure today is not very high, and let's say you're paying 15, 20, 25% tax rate, does it make a lot of sense to go into a plan and, you know, get the tax deduction today when we have no idea what your tax structure is going to look like, you know, 20, 30 years down the road when it may be 40, 50% tax structure as every dollar that comes out of it? Yes, you've got the deferral, but you need to run some calculators and take a little bit more thought about what kind of a plan you are going to do. And so that's what I talk about in my book is I, I talk about, you know, you got to address that, and you need to also address maybe a defined benefit plan is more appropriate. As a business owner, you might be able to sock away a lot more dollars. There are some different ways that plans get um set up, and there are different strategies from cross-tested to age-weighted to, um, um, they call them the cash balance plans. There are different structures, and this is not a question that could be answered clearly on the air until someone sits down with a professional to evaluate what are all the scenarios out there, but get them spreadsheeted out to see which one's going to make the most sense. And so I take one case example, or actually two different strategies, and I lay those out, and then I just basically am trying to emphasize that, you know, there are different kinds of plans, and they can be radically different, and just because your, you know, um, your accountant may say, well, go do the SEP plan, well, the SEP plan may not be getting you all the benefits, and you may be giving away too much money for your employees. One thing you talk about is the IRD, or Income Respect to Decedent. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, something people might not be familiar with. Yeah, it works this way. You know, when you pass away, your state has uh, a calculation, and it's basically pulling that calculation of your IRAs, your 401Ks, all of those things get pulled back into the estate, and they get included. So not only is it a state taxable, but it's income taxable. And historically, we've seen estates pay 70, 80-plus percent in taxes on these items combined between estate and income. Um, it depends upon the... Um, individuals. So let's say you have successful children that are, you know, highly successful professionals and they're being taxed at their rate and paying the estate tax on top of that. So they're getting lump summed in both ways. Now, yeah, there's some ways that 
you can, in fact, uh, stretch these out and spread it out over time. There's a thing called an inherited IRA. There are some techniques and strategies that can work, but there's also very, very limited space and wiggle room to make sure that those things are done properly. Otherwise, you're going to have the IRS breathing down your throat saying, okay, it's a lump sum. Guess what? Three-quarters of the money has gone. The million dollars you thought you were receiving from your parents' pension plan all of a sudden now you're you know you're paying seven hundred plus thousand dollars and leaves very little for yourself. What is your expectation? Of what's going to happen with the state planning and the estate tax system after the next election? And you know this whole uncertainty about it it ramps up, it disappears, and then it comes back to us that we were two thousand one. What is your expectation and planning with clients about what they should be planning on here? You know, there's a sunset provision that basically drops us back to a million dollars in 2011. Um, in fact, uh, in a few minutes, I've got my estate planning study group. We meet once a month, and we get on conference calls to discuss issues around charitable planning and all the different aspects. And our consensus around the table that I would I would share is that, you know, something has to be done. Something's going to happen. But then there's another side of it that another argument that I hear from many financial advisors around the country, I've heard many of them say, you know, whoever gets elected, they can just do nothing and just let whatever happens happen so that 2011 it's going to sunset, and they don't look like a bad guy. They can just say, oh, this was already set in place years ago, so, you know, the new increased taxes and all, the, you know, going back to the 20% cap gains rates at that time, the million-dollar limit on uh, estate planning, they don't look like a bad guy for letting it, um, for letting things just sunset. And that's a likely provision. I've heard many people in, um, in different organizations, life underwriters and different groups, I've heard conference calls that I think that there's enough people in Congress that have more than a million dollars and have clients with more than a million that there is some pressure to keep the number somewhere between two and three million dollars. And I've heard that argument again and again. And I think logically that makes sense. But when we deal with Congress and we deal with politics, nothing's logical. So my conclusion is that we're probably going to go back to the million dollars unless we have somebody that's bold, that's willing to say, listen, we've got to collect dollars, but we're also not going to you know, nail everybody on the estate tax side, and I'm willing to, to jump forward on this and work some compromises. So if that were to happen, if we were to, in fact, go back to the year 2001 and all these things sunset and nothing changes, uh, would that have major implications for the way you do estate planning and all this, the strategies you're talking about here? It will, in fact... Um, it will benefit and hurt at the same time. Um, it will benefit because there will be things like the irrevocable life insurance trust and, and funding dollars to get dollars outside of the estate. Um, some of the gifting techniques will, in fact, it will help my business if that, that occurs. Um, it will definitely put a hamper on people to want to throw up their hands and say, well, it just is no good. But once they discover that, hey, these aren't necessarily secrets, but they're not normally discussed. And I I didn't like the title of my book, by the way, when it said financial secrets, because I'm not a big fan of secrets books. But um, these are rarely discussed strategies among the common advisors that are out there. However, when you start talking to the 
you know, the big trust companies and the private family offices and the more um, affluent uh, wealth management groups around America and the stuff that I've read and the, the conferences that I've attended, these are common discussions. And so that's one reason why it's financial secrets for the man of means, because most of the man of means in America, the majority of them still haven't connected and gotten that kind of an education. So getting back to the estate planning, yeah, it's going to be a tough situation, but if the word gets out that people can, in fact, do proper planning, I think it's going to, it's going to help the whole industry and, and people to get on it. But I, I also believe that what I think is fair based upon where we're standing today that, you know, probably at the two million or two and a half million dollar number is a, is a much fairer number when you start looking at the farmers and the private business, private businesses out there that will go under and, you know, have fire sales and have, um, have businesses that literally shut down as a result of you know, these higher taxes. People don't understand the implications of farms being sold off and businesses being sold off and what kind of an impact that has on the community. Very interesting stuff. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Uh, Again, my uh, guest this hour on the Money Answer Show is Scott Thomas. Uh, He's got a book called Financial Secrets, The Man of Means. Uh, His website is financialfarmer.com. A lot of interesting ideas you probably wouldn't hear about anywhere else we've been talking about here. Um, And we'll have plenty more after this break. We'll be back after this. All we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk Talk money money all the time. time. Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. What I want to be when I grow up by Johnny Mike. Dad, it's John. I got the promotion. We'll call him John Jr. You'll speak over 500 million words in your lifetime, but none of them will be as important as the words you use to tell your six-year-old he has cancer. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Sell, buy, buy, sell. All we talk about is money. Talk to an expert. Call now. now. Toll free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Scott Thomas, uh, who's written a new book called Financial Secrets for the Man of Means. 
his website is financialfarmer.com. He's giving us lots of ideas you won't hear anywhere else. Welcome back to the show, Scott. Thank you. You have an asset, a, 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 a brief chapter called Freeze Your Assets. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why, <laughs> would, why would one want to freeze their assets? What's the advantage of that? Well, this is a, this is a, a scenario that it, it, it almost sounds contrary. You know, why would you want to freeze your assets? Why would anybody want to do that to themselves? Um, where this particular strategy is very effective is you've got, um, let's say, a business owner or somebody that has invested into a small business that is, it's, it's an asset, let's say, that's growing substantially. It could be art. It could be just about any kind of an asset that may be growing substantially or um, has a lot of potential for increase. Well, what's great about this, um, and I had this scenario happen with um, uh, an individual where he was bought into a particular high-tech company that has just been growing leaps and bounds. Well, he wanted his children to be able to own a piece of this business. And so from his estate perspective, he could basically put $500,000 into a gifting, one-time gift for his, his daughters. And this business is expected that that $500,000 is expected to grow to, you know, between 5 and $10 million in the next five years. Okay. So by gifting it today and freezing the asset at 500000 today in the gift and having this basically a trust set up, it's a gifting for the, for the children, then when the thing actually does go to sell in the future, guess what? It's outside of his estate. It's not as if he's holding the five hundred thousand that grows to five or ten million, and now he has to deal with how do I gift this to my kids when there's a million dollar limit on gifting to children. The idea is to give it while it's worth less, knowing it's going to grow, and then you don't have the capital gains tax to pay on it. Yeah, and there's some there's some trust features there that help protect the asset and protect the children from getting access to the money or doing anything, you know, because one of the children was already of majority of age and one was a minor. Well, you know, when they become majority of age and stuff, things happen or they're, they're both driving. What if they have a liability? What if they have an issue that pops up? Well, this trust has protection and it has a trust protector involved in, in the trust for the children. So you can not only do this to children, but you can give this to charities as well. Is that correct? Well, absolutely. Of course, with charities, it's a, it's a little simpler, too. I mean, you can take the appreciated asset and gift that into other vehicles, such as charitable remainder trusts and typical traditional planning items that are out there. And sometimes it's, um, it's a little bit more efficient if you have a family-limited partnership or a, you know, some LLC and you can gift interest um, periodically and be able to, to deal with that as well. Very interesting. Okay, the next uh, chapter you have, and again, I'm speaking with Scott Thomas, whose book, uh, Financial Secrets for the Man of Means, has all kinds of ideas you wouldn't have heard about before, like freezing your assets, is uh, leasing equipment back uh, to your company. Uh, what is the advantage of doing that? Well, the advantage of, of leasing back is that um, you get to take an income stream as a business owner and take it in a form that is not um, your ordinary income. It is a, a passive income from a capital asset. Where you may see this is, um, let's say, a printer or a manufacturer, and let's say they had cash flow and they had purchased a, a piece of equipment, and let's say it was uh, 
you know, $500,000 and now they're leasing it back. Well, they can structure their leases to work in the interest rate, and so they can start receiving that interest rate um, instead of going out and, you know, leasing it from a leasing company and paying 12 18% interest. Now they can structure it so that they're receiving that as part of their income, and there's some, some tax advantages to that, and you need to talk with your CPA about maybe this is the right approach if you have money and you can buy capital equipment and lease it back. Many times we have business owners that will um, buy their own personal property because you want the cap gains treatment personally rather than a corporate tax on, let's say, your business. So most CPAs will recommend that you know you buy your your um, your building where you're operating in an LLC, and then that LLC the members are the husband wife of the business you know the business owners as husband wife let's say, and then you lease it back. It's just tax more, more tax efficient, especially when you go to sell in the future. Okay. Then you have a chapter about accredited investors and what kind of things are available to them. Maybe let's just start with a definition of accredited investors and then tell us a little bit about what some of the investments do you think might be appropriate for them. Yeah, the SEC uh, says that the accredited investor is someone with a million dollars of assets. It's somebody uh, or they are single and for the last two years have had 200000 of net income or married 300000 of net income. And that's the definition uh, per the SEC in regulation towards what is an accredited investor. Well, well, isn't that changing? I thought that's actually going to be going up to some extent. It, it is going to be going up, and it's not final. I haven't seen the final regs on that, that, it, that it's a final, but it, they've been talking about it for actually about three years, about that number going up. What is up. the proposal? I don't know it's not final, but what is your expectation of what it will go up to? Well, the, the thing that they call the super accredited today is $2.5 million of assets, um, and I could see that happening, but I don't see that happening here in the next year. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different talk of different numbers that are out there. Um, they're also looking at excluding the home. Right now, the home can be included, so the net worth of the home can be included in that million dollars. Well, for a lot of people, you know, they've got $500,000 of equity in their home. There's a lot of people out there, well, less today, but... Um, you know that was a pretty easy number to get to as an accredited investor. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I don't want to say Jordan that you know what I believe the number is going to be. I think it's eventually going to move to two or two and a half million. Right now it's at the million, and um, it will move up eventually. But I don't anticipate that in the next year. Okay. So that's what an accredited investor is. And why don't you talk a little bit about what kind of opportunities are available for accredited investors that might not be for unaccredited investors? Yeah, when they wrote the the regs and what my understanding and in the licensing process and reading different things from the the different educational companies about regulations for accredited investor, things I've read is that one of the reasons behind the whole process of having an accredited investor as a separate area is that something called the Reg D investments, the private investments. It's um, being able to purchase private notes, um, having real estate transactions where you have 35 investors that are you know uh, non accredited and then everybody else has to be accredited and that was something that came out with uh, the reg d offerings and we saw a lot of limited partnerships and things in the past and the the sec has basically said hey if you're making 200,000 as a net or 300,000 net 
or you have a million-dollar net worth, you probably have more ability to evaluate financial situations, or at least you've probably had more exposure to it, and you're more likely to be in a position to evaluate these more, sometimes more complicated types of transactions. You don't have the regulations that are out there like the mutual funds where you've got SEC oversight constantly monitoring these types of investments. You have to rely heavily on due diligence and the people who are presenting these things. You've got to rely heavily on making sure you're getting into the right type of a program. In general, do people have better experiences, get better returns uh, in these kind of accredited investor investments instead of the ones that go through all the SEC scrutiny and so on? I would have to tell you that in my experience and other people that I've, other advisors that I know, in what we've seen over the last 10 years, for example, with this sideways market where you've seen things go up and down and it just seems like you're barely getting uh, any return, you look at the S&P 500 and saying, wow, you're getting less than a 4% return, you know, annualized for the last 10 years. It's been, you know, pretty bleak. Oftentimes in these types of investments, we've seen anywhere 10, 20, 30% returns with, you know, double-digit returns being more the norm. So, yes, I'd have to say, you know, in a sideways market, however, when you look at a pure bull market and you look at, you know, what happened from 1987 through 1999, um, that particular bull market, no, I would say that that was not necessarily the case. But when commodities and real estate and, you know, things along those lines are performing, which we're seeing today, you know, and you start getting energy and real estate and other things, when you on primarily on the commercial side, that is, when I say real estate, then, you know, you're looking at asset classes, opportunities that are much more likely to outperform. Now, do we see that in the future long term? No, I think it's a good blend. I think it's, it should be part of the accredited investor's portfolio. Very good. We're going to go to a break. Again, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Scott Thomas, who's got a book out called Financial Secrets for the Man of Means. His website is financialfarmer.com. Lots of interesting ideas you haven't heard about anywhere else. And we'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, 401ks, investments, refinancing. We can help you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Achieve total wealth management 
Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, right here on Voice America Business. Three Dimensional Wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a value-based approach to comprehensive wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. Take your first step down the road to financial independence. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Money, money, up-to-date business and financial news. Money, money. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Scott Thomas, uh, whose new book is called Financial Secrets for the Man of Means. His website is financialfarmer.com. Welcome back to the show, Scott. Thank you. It's great to be here. One area we want to get to is uh, real estate exchanges, so-called 1031 exchanges. I want you to tell us what that is and how people can use those to their advantage. Sure. We're talking about investment properties. We're not talking about your home. Um, When we talk about real estate exchanges, again, my book is primarily geared towards the business owner. And with the business owner, oftentimes there's business property, investment property, whether it's condo, land, warehouse, farm, whatever. And in those scenarios, when you go to sell your property, rather than have to pay substantial amounts and a capital gains treatment, you can defer that money. And some people are aware of it and some people aren't aware of it, but uh, billions and billions of dollars of transactions occur each year in this particular area. And there are different ways to do it, but there's some rules that people have to know that if they're going to do it, They've got to identify the second property when they go to sell. They need to, from the time that they close on the property, they need to basically, within 45 days, spell it out that they are, um, in fact, going to purchase another property, put the address down. If it doesn't close, then it's just as if it was a cash sale and you pay the tax. But if you can get that to work out and identify the property, then it can be a beautiful thing because you can exchange and then just keep rolling till you drop. And so literally, you know, you can have, like I have an elderly lady, she sold a bunch of pine trees, very substantial amount of increase, no basis, zero basis, basically, you know, made a million and a half dollars. And, you know, we take all that money and put it into, um, you know, two or three um, commercial properties. So it doesn't have to be a like-kind exchange. You don't have to exchange trees for trees. You can go from trees no. to buildings. Yeah, you can go trees to buildings, duplex, um, you know, all different kinds of things. And you can diversify. We're a big proponent for diversification and looking at it geographically, industry, type of property, and looking for ways to reduce your risk. We find people that will have $10 million in warehouses, and they're only in one city. Well, guess what? If that major distribution company shuts down, they're in big trouble. There's a lot of excess space. Same thing can happen with office space. They're in one town and they have one office building. Why not diversify that risk and say, hey, we're going to have um, flex space in the northeast. We're going to have uh, apartments in South Carolina. We're going to have office and retail in Texas. We're going to have, you know, why can't, why not look at 
designing a portfolio with an investment policy statement that spells it all out, that's one of the things that we do is make sure that people are getting all of their uh, their assets and their risk in order, and then oftentimes we can increase their cash flow. Um, ultimately, you do have to pay the taxes when you die. Is that right? You can keep rolling. Well, you get a, you get a step up. Here's the beautiful thing: the lady with the trees and the million and a half dollars. So she's got a, you know a couple of properties going. We may exchange one of those into two more properties. And upon her death, you know, right now she's 80 years old, and you know, let's say she dies when she's 90, and you know that million and a half has now become you know four million dollars, and she's been cash flowing. Well, guess what? She's cash flowing six plus percent in a very safe environment that's diversified, and so now it's worth $4 million while her children get a step up in basis upon her death. So if it be in $10,000 basis in her pine trees, now it's $4 million. Guess what? It's a step up. So it's never taxed, really. It's never taxed. Yes. yes. Now, there's also charitable exit strategies for this as well, and I've got a, another couple where we've taken dollars, and we're talking and planning strategies right now to charitably plan on a business property that we rolled into three different commercial properties. Okay. We have a limited time, so I want to get to some other things. So you talk about ESOPs or employee stock ownership plans. How can people use those uh, for their benefit? You know, there are two reasons why you have an ESOP. And I, in my opinion, there's only two. I mean, there's people that may talk about some other ways, but the main two reasons why you would have an ESOP is that you are looking for an exit strategy out of your business and you have good management in place and you'd like for your employees to continue to run the business and you're looking for a tax advantage, tax strategy to get and leverage your business to be able to um, get out of it and get a good dollar for it and stretch those dollars out in a tax-efficient manner over your lifetime. And that's one method is your exit strategy out of your business and having your employees run it. Typically, you would have 25-plus employees, and you would have typically $10 million a year in sales. Those are typical numbers before the ESOP companies want to really talk to you. It's a, it, it costs some money for the legal docs and the setup, and so that's why we, we say that that's probably a, a good scenario there. Another reason why you would want to have an ESOP, let's say you're wanting to grow your business substantially and now you want to go out and you want to borrow money against your business in a tax-advantaged way, and you want to purchase other businesses. And we've seen this happen with manufacturers that have wanted to acquire their um, their competition. And so what they'll do is they'll leverage their own business in the form of an ESOP, and they're able to purchase the business much more efficiently, and, and there's not enough time to really get into it, but there are, there are definitely you're buying their other businesses for $0.66 cents on the dollar, in essence. Okay? So it's okay. a very tax-efficient way. And while we're talking about tax efficiencies and we were talking about the real estate before, I wanted to mention a, an idea that gets overlooked all the time that I found to be a very valuable thing. I just make a brief mention in the book about it, but it's called cost segregation. And it's basically accelerating your depreciation. And you can go do it on a property you purchased three years ago. So, you know, I had a business owner that purchased property three years ago for a million dollars, and they did a cost-seg study, and it cost them about $5,000 to get this cost-seg study done. Basically, it's putting $50,000 new money, tax savings, today by accelerating the depreciation that would have been stretched out to 39 and 39 years 
brought some of it down to 15 and some of the stuff that was 15 down to 3 to 5. And so it's basically it's an engineered study that's a legal way to accelerate your depreciation. And I share this with bankers and CPAs and real estate people. Every time I have this conversation, nobody knows about this stuff, about cost sag. So we've teamed up with companies, professionals that do this, not just a, a CPA that says, oh, yeah, I know how to do a cost sag, and they take the paint and they take some of the wiring and say they're going to depreciate a couple of items. They haven't really done an engineered study that can fully maximize, and you can get a preliminary plan done on this for free where somebody can take a look at it and that's a wonderful thing and if somebody wants to you know give me a contact and talk about that I can set you up with national companies and introduce you to some people that uh, could take a look at your business before we uh, go to the last thing I do want to get uh, your phone number out for people if people want to follow up on some of the things we've talked about sure it's um 800 898 6263 it's 800 898 6263. Again, Scott Thomas. And your uh, website as well. It's www.financialfarmer.com. And you deal with people all over the country, is that correct? I deal with um, several states, um, Texas, Connecticut, New, um, New York, California, several places around the But if somebody calls country. from not one of those states, you refer them to somebody in their state who can help them, is that right? Yeah, we could have a conversation about, you know, what are the general strategies or concepts, and I have lots of other advisors around the country that I could refer them to, absolutely. Speaking of other advisors, one of your last chapters is what you call the Nobleman's Army, <laughs> uh, kind of with reference to uh, Robin Hood. Yeah. Uh, in the small time we have left, why don't you just talk to them briefly about what kind of an, a Nobleman's Army people should be putting around them as far as advisors to put all these very complex ideas into action. Yeah. Business owners especially, you know, you've got a real estate guy, uh, an attorney, you've got um, a banker. Having a personal banker is critical to be able to get things done when critical items pop up and you need cash flow or you need that credit line or whatever it is. Having a financial advisor that that truly can see your big picture and help you make decisions, uh, you know, whether you're a corporate person dealing with your stock options or whether you're a a small business owner dealing with uh, tax issues and retirement plans. Uh, critical to have somebody where they can talk together. You can have your CPA, your attorney, your financial advisor, your insurance agents. I tell you, I've, I've worked with some wonderful insurance agents that have found gaps and, and risk issues, and we've been able to address things um, from a property and casualty perspective. These are wonderful resources, and if you don't look at your insurance agent as being a part of your team, I have my, uh, I buy my insurance agent, I buy him lunch and say, come by and see me about every 18 months, walk around my office, tell me if you see any liabilities, and every time he comes over there, he finds something. He goes, you know, I never noticed this, but you got a spot here, you need to paint that yellow, people are going to trip. Uh, oh, you need to be careful about this thing with your tree and your neighbor, and, you know, he's always pointing out stuff, so collaboration and having a team of people is critical if you're going to get your plans accomplished in the most efficient way. And, and having, um, you know, CPAs and attorneys and different people communicating with each other and developing their friendships among them even when they're not talking about you is, I think, an important aspect of having a great team. Well, terrific, Scott. This has really been fascinating. Uh, again, I've been speaking with Scott Thomas, uh, whose new book is called Financial Secrets for the Man of Means. 
Uh, his website is financialfarmer.com. His 800 number is 800-898-6263. And you can see there's a lot of different strategies out there you probably haven't heard about that can really minimize your taxes and make your money grow for you. So thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Scott. Thank you. And we'll be back again next week. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.